Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is born in the fury of the most violent storms on Earth. It has traveled thousands of miles, building in strength and size. And here, in a remote corner of the planet, some men will not run from its fury. They will ride it. You're not ready for it. I'm ready. So when the wave breaks here, don't be there. Or you're gonna get drilled. He's a modern savage. If I say it's safe to surf this beach, Captain, it's safe to surf this beach! What's he searching for? The ride. The ultimate ride. What's up? The only thing surfers have in common with the rest of America is they're unemployed and love crystal meth. Welcome back to Surf Center, episode number 24. Yeah, a lot's happened in the last week. Uh, I had a child, so, so since the last episode, so please excuse a little break in the action. But uh, some good news, other than me having a child that's healthy and happy and keeping me up all night. The, uh, the good news is we've got a sponsor, and uh, they obviously haven't listened to our content, but we'll take their money. Yeah, well, finally someone came to their senses, and that, and that somebody is Beachley. Beachley is a subscription surf apparel box service. Yeah, it's delivered four times a year and only costs $99 per box with a retail value of over 180 bucks. So uh, essentially saving you a trip to Costco to buy all your, all your already deeply discounted surfwear. Your Beachley box comes filled with six to eight pieces of premium surfwear. Walk shorts, tees, board shorts, hats, sandals, towels, basically all the things you need for your coastal lifestyle. Like, and like all subscriptions, you can cancel at any time, but their award-winning algorithm has a 100% retention rate. So you know they will have you looking mint. We personally guarantee it. Yeah, and if that's if all that wasn't enough, you get another $20 off of your subscription with the code C-E-N-T-E-R, as in Surf Center. So go to Beachley's website and use your promo code C-E-N-T-E-R to get your $20 off subscription at beach.ly today. Very clever how they use that. Use of uh, <laughs> use of the dot com, the new dot coms. So like kind of like how Volcom used to do it, vol dot com. That's how they were. This is beach dot ly. But wait, there's more. What is it, Doom? Proceeds from each box sold goes to fund Heal the Bay Beach Cleanup. So you can feel good about spending money and dressing yourself. And that's it. I feel dirty. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, <laughs> I think that's just the baby vomit and the uh, dirty diapers in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, the pain is real. All right, into our show today. I've been excited to talk to this guest for a while. He's a, a big deal in the surf industry and he's been around for a long time, but I'll let Chad kind of tell you a bit, a bit more about who he is and kind of what he's responsible for doing. Yeah, so Steve Astafin spent 17 years at Wasserman Media Group and he, Wasserman is, is, was founded by Casey Wasserman, who is the grandson of Lou Wasserman, who was the most powerful uh, man in Hollywood for, uh, you know, years and years and years. So, um, that gives you some uh, sense of the aspirations that Casey had when he started the company. He acquired Steve Astafin's company called The Family, uh, and Steve went in to run the action sports business um, and grow that. He was responsible for the Dane Reynolds Quicksilver deal and Andy and Bruce for the Red Bull. And I mean, he made some of the biggest deals in, in surf history. In fact, so big that I think a lot of people's uh, lives in the more middle class of the surf world uh, in terms of athletes were, were shaken up by it because the brands could really only afford to pay 
the top, top guys, those salaries. And you know something about that, right, too? Yeah, we've spoken about that a lot in the past. But uh, yeah, he, he worked with Blair Marlin. Blair was, you've obviously seen Blair's name around. He was, you know, in the trenches with all those surfers and kind of Steve's right-hand man managing all those deals. Um, but yeah, they've had a crazy run. He obviously left a few years ago and he started his family back up. And that's what we wanted to chat to him about. So we'll let Steve take it away. How about now? Is that better for you? Oh, it's so much better. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go headphone. I love that. Cool. So, so indirectly, um, you, you were responsible for a lot of the business that we had at sauce because a lot of your a- client athletes were Red Bull athletes. And so yep. a lot of the things that you were, um, you know, deals you were making, um, on one side of the fence, I was kind of executing on the other side. So like, you know, Travis jump in the, car in Long Beach onto the barge, all this Sheckler stuff. So, you know, at one point you were, you know, helping me line my pockets. And um, while at the same time, um, you know, you getting those bigger and bigger deals with big mainstream brands coming into action sports uh, took money out of Duma's pocket. So uh, on one hand, you know, uh, how do you the, plan the, the D-level pro surfers got gutted. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you plan on making good First of all, how do you plan on continuing to line my pockets while also making good on the fact that you ruined doing a surf career? I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I ruined it. I might have, like, put a little bump in the road. You just I, you get, a, get a little more creative. Uh, and was it intentional? Is, 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 <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, no, no. So, so yeah, I, I mean, look, pre-COVID, when I decided to do this, there was no COVID. <laughs> so, yeah. Things have changed a little bit, obviously, um, but I guess in a, in a way, kind of proof of concept for me. Um, my main reason of, of doing this all over again, and if I was going to do this again, and the family was my original company prior to partnering with Casey, uh, if I was going to do this again, I, I, my belief was it would have to be focused on entrepreneurship, efficiency. I don't think you need... 26 offices to execute on businesses like this anymore, um, no matter what you're doing. I think the athlete, musician, and artist is the same brand. It's no different that if you, you know, if you think about our industry in sports, in music, whatever, it's incestuous, incestuous in the sense that like someone at Nike can go work eventually at Adidas or Hurley or, you know, Rip Coral, Billabong, whatever it may be. They're, the CMO might think differently in different brands and different roles, but you're just using their experience. And for me, athletes, musicians, and artists, there's no difference between Travis Scott's Nike deal or a basketball player's Nike deal, right? They're both Nike wants them to uh, raise the awareness, conquest possibly a new audience, show them exposure. And so my belief was with starting the family again is that we could build a really 360 service for athletes, musicians, and artists, and we could be more efficient with less offices less employees, but people with a more rounded experience and make sure we don't silo. So just cause you might work with like Sean Ward with surfers for me, he's also working in football, everything, because that experience can cross over so much nowadays. Like think about how long the surf industry has been making content and the NFL, like a, a, a tackle, a quarterback, even by the way, it's only been a couple of years since they think content's relevant. Everybody's right. like, Oh no, they've been doing content. No, actually no. Like when I started getting involved in recruiting mainstream sports 10 years ago, probably is when I started of my 20 year career doing this, I was shocked how many times I went in and it's like, it had nothing to do. It was almost like Arn Tellum said this once, he's a legend. 
I just, you know, I recruit on integrity, my legal background, my transactional lawyer. I think that model is just broken. And I think Arne saw that is why he, he left and went to be a GM is you're not relevant with a flip phone and a law degree anymore. You have to have those things. I have my head of football, Eric Eastman. He's 12 year litigating attorney, sports attorney, entertainment attorney from Mintz, great law firm in sports. But he's also a registered NFL agent. But then he's also humble enough to be like, I know where I fit in this lane. I don't want people to stay in their lane. I just want to share the lane and take up the whole highway, you know, basically. So, um, you know, it's being very strategic with that. But I think there's a lot of efficiencies going forward for us. And then COVID hit and it just like, it was perfect storm for me. Um, I feel bad. Um, I have a lot of family members because the way I was raised with not money and, and that have really, really in, are in trouble. Um, a lot of my friends, I mean, Wasserman, that's my boy and, and that whole agency and CA and, you know, all the execs at different companies, WME, I'll be with the CEO of UTA this week. They got, I mean, it's hard when you got 1500 employees to think about and COVID hits. I don't care. This is the first time in history. I would tell you no matter what, the recession in 2008, the 80s, whatever, if you talk to someone like Axel Rudd, he's in the 70s, an agent that works in the 60s, he would tell you never in his lifetime did he think sports would shut down or music. And by the way, they both shut down. Like not in 2008, that recession was terrible for banks, for business, for anything. Sports was, I don't, recession I don't even know I got affected in 2008 in that sense. Sports played, we got paid. You know, if you're in that business, I wouldn't want to own real estate then. I wouldn't have wanted to been a banker. But, you know, again, this really crushed the world. And, you know, I want to say, you know, I'm just, I'm lucky that I could, I had a business structure in June of a year ago. You know, I'm almost, I'm more than a year into this quietly. Um, a lot of hires I made during COVID were planned already. I, I don't have to furlough or lay people off. I plan this growth curve. And then the other thing is, is that I just think I made a conscious decision. You guys saw a press release, I think a week ago. I mean, to be totally honest, those people have been working for me for months, but what an egotistical maniac if in April or May of this year, I was hiring the head of NFL, the head of golf, the head of the NBA, all that stuff. People be like, what's this guy trying to prove? The right. world shut down. So things started to come back, in my opinion, the last few months or last couple months. And then like two weeks ago to make that statement, it felt more appropriate for me to, you know, I can't hide it forever. People are like, I know the guy works for you. It's like, yeah. once that small world starts, it's going to go big. As far as giving back to, to what we're trying to do is, you know, again, work in a much more efficient niche boutique type way. It doesn't mean we won't have 125 employees and have a good roster. Um, but we're trying to be a little bit different than the big boys have laid out to be. And what I spent 20 years doing, I can take that playbook both from the good and the mistakes I made. I made a lot of mistakes in my last 20 years. So did my, my colleagues and my employees and my friends and stuff. So I want to learn from that. And I think I have the best case scenario. And the bottom line is at Wall Street, you, I couldn't be an entrepreneur anymore. It's that simple. You can't do that. Animosity sets in. Like it's, I got to do whatever I want, like Stance and Hoonigan Media Machine launched from inside Wall Street. All the artist sport with Kobe Bryant, all these things I did. You can't be an entrepreneur. At some point, Casey's dream and the size of this agency and what he wants to do it's not fair to, you know, you just can't do that anymore. It was time. So it worked out. Yeah. Great. And I mean, is it, it, and it's probably like, I mean, you set out doing it on your own. So at a, at a certain point, it probably, you know, there's probably always part of you that was like, this is something you wanted to do anyway. Right. I mean, it, 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 I can't imagine that you, it, that you went to bed at night thinking I'm going to finish up my career uh, working with someone else's name on the shingle. 
I don't know if I would have meant like, let, let's face it, I made it 17 years or nobody else made it there. And I, I say that because I didn't have, for 17 years, I didn't have a boss. Right. I had a mentor. I had a best friend. I had a brother still to this day. He's two years younger than me, but he's a very bright man. And also a team of partners that, you know, I don't really think I had a job the last 17 years. Like, I don't think I've ever worked a day in my life since I entered this industry. You know, when I worked is when I was a landscaper doing stuff not so legal in Boston back as a kid. Like, that's when I had to hustle. Um, yeah. I think I'm really blessed to be in the position I am. So even the last 17 run year run with Casey, um, it, it taught me a lot. But also it just it, it was a different mentality. I would have I think if certain things hadn't changed and certain things hadn't gone a, a great way. Um, like without, if I didn't have some success with this brand incubator and stuff, like I can't force Wasserman, like you said, it's not mine. I can't be an entrepreneur anymore. Right. I got away with being an entrepreneur for 17 years there because it used to be, I walk in a room with Casey and Mike and that's it. Even Arn, when he joined, whatever, and be like, we're going to do this. Like Casey and I invested in stance together and played a role there. Right. Or who Media get machine. I just walk in and be like, we're going to do this. We don't need revenue. We don't need a retainer. We're going to start a brand with athletes. And then you'd be like, yeah, let's whatever happens happens ethical whatever you want to do and but then at some point like even the art of sport example it's like no we, we have a bank we have investors which by the way it's amazing this see like you said there's only one name on the door that's a different uh, approach no business i've ever been involved in has my name been in, on the door you know it's the family it's the other side my snowboard shop like it just businesses i invest in whatever it's a different mentality like that's casey he never entered that business to exit. He really didn't. Like this is, he wants to be, he wanted to do this. He's always wanted this since his grandfather's mentored him. And I do believe he'll do it the rest of his life, but he'll do it the way he wants to do it. Um, but there, as you get bigger, even you guys... he had banks and investors and CFOs and people making decisions for him, you know, which that's, a, that's okay. But that's now. And was there a point where you went, okay, I can't be an entrepreneur here anymore. There, you saw opportunity to do for to to create something that you weren't able to create there, and so is and that was the impetus then. To, to, I mean, you'd done all you could probably do there. Is kind of the, maybe the way to put it, right? Yeah, that's what Mike. Yeah, another partner I love, and he's a really great guy. The president, so he said. I mean, I, I I think I did a good job. I mean, 17 years. He's Wasserman was built organic. Um, but also acquisition. I mean, I don't know the final number now. There's over 20, probably 16 acquisitions. I mean, big acquisitions, mm -hmm. core group. I mean, football agency, all these agencies. And, you know, I was there when it was 40. I think we were 40 in total. I think I was 20 of them. The family might have been 50% of Watson when he and I partnered. Um, 2002, 2003. And then, like, you know, as things went, obviously it went big. But, I, again, I, I can't trade that was an entrepreneurship because I was learning things I never had learned before acquisitions I mean, how to bring somebody in. I, mean, I personally did several acquisitions and, you know, how you even onboard people like that is a lesson that I learned. And, you know, I always said too with Brad Lusky, who was my first CFO with the family, I business without him. He's now 20 years with me, but now, you know, 18 years with Wasserman, he may beat the record. Well, he has, cause I, I left it. He's still there. Um, so, a lot of that, there's no doubt that probably even a couple of years ago, it wasn't even like it was all of a sudden I was leaving or all of a sudden this isn't going to work. It was, it was probably the last three years we just got to a point where like, not with Casey, but with Mike or with some other people in the company, I could, I wasn't the free, I'm crazy as a loon. Like, I'd be like, I'm going to do this. And they'd be like, oh, here we go again. And it's like, you really can't do that 
when you eventually, like you have HR, you have managing directors, you have CFO, you have boards. It's just very difficult. It's just, it's not my cup of tea anymore. It didn't work out. So, yeah. well, I mean, um, and, you know, forever. I mean, we share clients still. Like we're, boy, like, it's not like, it, it, you know, there's people that left. Look, there are people that left Casey and I during the term that he and I will never speak to again, not mentioning names. And then there's others that like, he doesn't talk to, but like, I'm very close with, like with right. Jason Stein, like, or Josh Schwartz or some of the other partners or businesses we bought where they only made their three or five years or whatever. That's kind of the normal thing, right? You go on to do something else. I made it 17 years as the second or whatever acquisition ever in Wasserman. So um, I don't, I don't regret any of it. I don't think I waited too long. And I think I also woke up very, to your point, I felt the need of, I was able to do case studies at Wasserman. Like I knew the whole time they knew this, like, I was fully transparent and honest always with them going, I'm writing this. I think I want to do this. I want to incubate brands. I think the future is DTC with athlete owned brands and stuff. And I did that really early on. I mean, and even Hoonigan Media Machine, when I started with Ken Block, which Wasserman owns, I own and Ken owns, that was like early on. It's been around a while. Now it's selling, like we're selling the company or they're selling the company, I should say. Um, but those type of things were things where I was like testing. Right? I started producing content. I'm like, let's see if this works. Can I really do commercials for athletes better than Saatchi? Yep. Okay. When my competitors started hiring us, I knew I had something. I mean, I shot a commercial for the Masters for Dustin Johnson. We don't represent him. Washington didn't represent him. I mean, his agent literally was like, what's this guy doing here? He's an agent. And we, we built that pull. But my feeling was I had an efficiency and I knew athletes and how to shoot athletes better than a traditional creative agency that took 12 hours to shoot a commercial. I never understood that. Where does that come from? Just like you guys being on a commercial shoot for 20 years, my clients going, why the fuck is this taking? Why are we sitting around? No efficiency. That's how they bill. Yeah. They want the client to feel like they're working hard. Whereas yeah. I convince RBC and some of these other great brands to say, look, you're going to save money. You're going to get a better value. I might not be cheaper, but I'm not going to waste your time. Like we should be out of here in four or five hours. This is your goal. Um, yeah. So anyway, th those are some of the experiences I got to take over here. So when, what, in terms of the family V2, what, how, what's your, what would you say your sort of core competencies are then? What, what do you, what, how are you making money? It's just the family. It's like when Wasserman started as Wasserman Media Group, the V2 and you see behind here. <laughs> I, I had to like, yeah, just do I had to do a V2 for yeah. like, yeah, I had to do the V2 for like the first year. It actually, if you see the press release, we recently, we dropped it off and like going forward, our merch or our signage. I did it because I didn't want people to think it's an action sports agency. And I'll say this humbly speaking, we were the first and the family was a pretty big brand in the nineties. And like, I didn't want people to think when I left, I was going to do another action sports agency. So the, the round B2 was to say, do your research. It's a little more, right? We are in the NBA, we're in the NFL, we're in music, we're in these other things. So that was the thought process is that it, it wasn't me just trying to be like, I'm getting my brand back from Wasserman and like a Hurley would have done like, you know, like a Bob Hurley gold, from Nike, like I'm getting Hurley back and I'm just doing Hurley. It's like, I'm not just doing the family again. I have a lot of pride in that name. I could have called it something else, but I, you know, again, our relationship, Casey and I's is good. He's like, fuck, I bought the name, but it's yours. Take it. Like, oh, that's I'm so not going to cool. use it. So, so anyway, so you obviously the, the family V2, but it's really just the family. Cool. And you're talking about moving into all these other sports, but you obviously action sports is so much of your background. Do you still see opportunity to make money in the action sports world? Because obviously that's changing those seven figure deals or multi-year seven, multi seven-figure deals of the early, of the mid-2000s obviously gone. What does that look like in kind of the future with you guys? 
That's a good question. I mean, yeah, obviously. Um, so action sports, just like Wasserman, you got to give them a lot of credit when we built there. Wasserman was actually always our, even when we got to be the biggest in baseball and basketball, I would tell you I'm recruiting Casey, even it's, it was about like, we are the most dominant in action sport. Like action sports has so much relevancy in the culture of NBA and everything else that it gives you that. Now the second part of your question of, or is talking about action sports. So we all use that word way too loosely because motocross and supercross are still seven figure deals. I you. Ken rocks and Adam saying it's a real low or like skateboarding. If you have the right guys are still seven figure deals. Like I would say snowboarding funny enough in 1998 to 2002 was my biggest revenue stream, right? Like I launched in snowboarding. I could tell you by far, I don't represent any snowboarders, by the way, we don't as a whole company. And I have Corbin in here. I have action sports agents, not to say we're not going to, but that has to be a very unique individual that I feel like I can bring value to. And to your point, the, it's, it's really hard. There's, there's only a select few. And if they already have representation, good, right? Back in the day, it was only me. In 98, I could have a field day. It was like, I'll take one of you, two of you, three of you. And it was whatever. But there's some great agents out there right now. And as you know, there's a lot of competition in the action sports space. So I have Chris uh, Beaker came from Fox. He's, you know, representing motocross. I have Sean Ward in surf. I have uh, Corbin Harris running like skate and chefs and Olympics. Um, so we are very much, and I still represent Sheckler, Zion Wright, uh, Ken Roxon, Adam Sansferillo. Um, you know, those are like Travis Pastrana, still my clients, and he was 16. And we just finished Jim Connor yes, Sunday, literally finished Ken passing the torch to him. So these are still my clients, and action sports is always going to be the staple of the family. Um, it's, it's our better, best calling card on, on anything we do, even recruiting a kid out of Alabama or Clemson right now in football, they know who Ryan Scheffler is. They know who Travis Pastrana is. Um, they also know what that lifestyle has done from a branding perspective and first to social media in an authentic content way. And again, it used to be just called VHS and DVD, right? It's the no, same thing that everybody's trying to do now. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, action sports will always be. And then from the challenge standpoint, like you said, you know, look, I, I still think there's great deals out there, you know? I mean, I think there's there's brands that's, look, action sports brands are always gonna need athletes. I don't care what they say, they have to. It's just, you can't go away. Um, the energy drinks are thriving. I found a new category. We're doing a lot in health and wellness. Like skaters got trainers now. Like there's a lot of skaters and surfers, as you know. So we're tapping into supplements and health and wellness and nutrition and home gym equipment. And, you know, some of my clients, even investing in like a mirror, you know, some of those home things, like some of our action sports guys now, you know, Roxon and Sheckler, they're partners with Kobe Bryant and James Harden and Juju Smith and Artist Sport, the deodorant company not less or more like equal like that's now kobe's family but you know unfortunately what happened but right. some of the action sports guys and girls just have more opportunity to look outside the industry and look at rolling the dice um and i would still say that like i have a faith in you know obviously the drink categories are growing even during covid i'm having no issue signing any of our deals and i think you just have to have the right clients like look at lowell leaving caa he's leaving with Nigel, chloe kim john john florence and I think um, Sky and maybe another one, those people are not going to not have deals and they're going to have seven figure deals. So I think it's just being more select. The days of having 30 snowboarders and they all having good deals, you just can't do that anymore. Like that Wasserman mass model, that's not going to happen anymore. Even for them, by the way, it's not there. In the action sports world, are you seeing more opportunity coming because of, especially surf and skate because of the Olympics? 
That- yeah, I think that's the other thing. Like, I need the Olympics to tell you that. I, I to give you a firm answer, a lot of people forget. It's like until Sean White snowboarding, there was Olympics. Snowboarding was in the Olympics prior to Sean White, <laughs> right? And it just took something. So I don't know, like a lot of people are speculating. I even like have gotten in, into it with some surf industry people that I respect, but I can still get into it with them going like, don't bank all on that. Like you may never see it on TV the first year. It may not get, the waves might not even come and the Olympics, they don't give a crap. They literally will cut you. Um, skateboarding, whatever. It all really depends on the first year, especially what I would tell you is, I am banking on that it could work. Like I can tell you right now that Corbin and I strategy, if we go into another snowboarder even, we're going with someone that's going to be in the Olympics and trans marketing content, everything all package, or we're just going to wait because that is somebody that we know between him and I's experience. I can do something that no other agent can do or marketing. I firmly believe that. And I can look him in the eye and say that in skateboarding and surfing, we're probably looking at it a little bit broader because I really don't know what's going to happen, right? So in skateboarding, we have Corey, we have Zion. They're all on the team. If Zion Wright was to win, yeah, that's going to help skateboarding and the whole industry. He is a young black man who looks like a fullback that plays at Alabama. Like he's got quad, he's a jock, right? And the man is huge. Yeah. And that's a good thing, by the way. If Corey Juno wins, Spicoli. I'm going to go full just like they did the Flying Tomato. You're going to see Fast Times t-shirts. The kid is freaking Spicoli. He, I would say that if he's sitting in the room, it's like, oh, he's fucking Spicoli. So depending on now, I will not mention names because I don't represent anyone on the right. There's a few other people that if they win, I don't think it helps skateboarding. By the way, they're incredibly talented, but they're a little bit maybe robots or too contest oriented or whatever else. And they don't have industry sponsors. And I think that would hurt the sport. If they the industry cannot, sponsors, that example is in the Olympics and I love them, but some of the original Olympics were won by snowboarders that weren't Terry Hawkinson, Todd, you know, that sort of stuff is Ross powers, love Ross, but he never sold product. Um, when Danny Cass medaled and JJ and then, you know, so on, so on, Sean white, obviously that's when things started to, to go up because they were very marketable, good looking athletes that had industry support. Also, um, if John, John Florence wins a gold medal, it's going to help surfing. Middle America is going to buy a surf product again. But I mean, and, and in that, I guess that's the, the other, the question really is, is that when you go to these brands and you say there's an opportunity, you know, how, when, when you try to connect a brand and an athlete, how, what, what are you promising the brand? Like what are, sorry, you probably don't promise them anything, but what is the, how, how do those calculations take place? I think too many agents, by the way, in every sport, and I'm just going to be totally honest with, with this thing are too transactional still. And they don't have a business discussion for me. Again, this only comes from experience. I really enjoyed having the time that I spent in the consulting business, right? You know, Candy Harris is back with me. She was originally a family employee, went on to Billabong, went on to Stance Socks. She now runs my brand lab called Unlisted Brand Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, she's my CEO and partner. Now we don't call it the, because I do want to keep church and state a little separate. We're launching a luggage line that is Harden, Odell and MGK. I don't represent those guys. I don't want people thinking the family's doing that. That's another Wasserman learning. Everybody, I think it hurt us a little bit that Wasserman was Stan. Wasserman was Hoonigan Media Machine. If it was something else, like even when I started doing that creative thing, we called it the agency. Didn't even have a Wasserman name on it. And that was kind of purposely because I was learning that, hey, we got to keep this. I don't think we all have to be the same name. I have no ego to this. The family may own six companies you don't know, (laughs) you don't even know about down the road. Why do I have to call everything the family? 
you know? Again, that was Casey. I can't, Casey's vision is different than mine, and that's actually a good thing, you know? That's why even partners make good. Is I have some partners here that disagree with me. We just all talk about it. Ultimately, right now, though, it's my decision. <laughs> but that could change down the road. Um, yeah. But you, you get to your point with that. against that, you a little bit, right? I mean, yeah, you don't, yeah, want, to, no, you don't want a bunch sure. of yes men around. And so, so, so for me, I'll give a little bit. I don't, I think, you know, even people ask me, like, did it get harder when other agents came in? I mean, you used to show up for next games and win 23 medals. I think one year I literally swept podiums on every single sport. Um, and that's way back in the day. But, like, literally, Vert, top three, Street, top three. I mean, it was just stupid. BMX especially. And everybody's, you said, well, did it change when Lowell and Mark Irvin and uh, Terry and all these other agents, Ryan Runke and all these other agents came in? I was like, no, <laughs> it actually, it, it, it literally legitimized what I was doing, right? It gave me, it, it was, I was a proof of concept, but it actually made it better for everybody. I mean, Oakley, Mark Irvin used to say like, the reason I got Bruce where I was, Sean, all those deals, we elevated each other. It wasn't just whoever worked for me, the family was saying everything in 1998 and 1999 before more came up. Um, and, and I think that competition bred very big success for me and for everybody under me and also the whole industry. It's the same way now. Like I think what we have to do in action sports or across any sport is we have to think like a CMO as an agent. You can't be an agent anymore in transactional and just be, I represent athletes. You have to think like a marketing person or a content person or a creative person. And this time that I spent working with brands like RBC or Grant Thornton or farmers or whatever, learning how they think. I pitch an athlete the same way now. It's a business discussion. And do I have a solution for your business issue, right? Someone comes from like Tax Act recently and says, we're struggling in the Midwest. Here's the, if I went and pitched them something, I probably would pitch Ryan Sheckle and Travis Strong, right? And then all of a sudden they get it. And the reason a lot of agents, a reason this doesn't happen, it goes in the drawers. They're sitting there going, that's not what I'm looking for. So what I believe in is having, when, when I'm going to talk about brands, about any athlete or musician, is before I even do that and I reach out, and again, you do have to be proactive. I don't think you should wait for the phone to ring. That's a mistake. And you reach out to a tax act. You say, what can I help you with? Like, let's have a business discussion. And as they talk to you and you listen, in the room, you will come up with stuff. Like, I literally was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you haven't looked at motocross because you don't think of motocross. And then I showed him their deck and his, and it couldn't be more like, you know how to use Jane and Joe? Jane yeah, and Joe live in tax act and, and motocross. How can he not buy it? It literally sits there with every vertical. Now you have to maybe have a couple tiers or whatever else. Uh, KT tape recently because they're Olympics. You know, they're trying to figure out, okay, we want to go to the Olympics and the hot pot of skate and surf. It's like, okay, but be careful. You're a very athletic performance brand. So when your agency goes out or when an agent comes and pitches you, and I can't say who they pitched, it's like, is that the one really? You, you know that person's like, you, you, you can look at their social media following, but if they don't actually work out, is it authentic? right? If they don't actually use the tape, where it's, I sent them athletes, and I think they appreciate this. I didn't even represent them. And I just said, look, I'll be honest with you. Have you seen this guy and he uses it? To, you don't even pay him and he uses it. There's an authentic, authenticity to this that we can tell you that. So for me, it's always a business discussion. I just went through this with Amazon. I said, look, I don't know if I have the whole fit, but if, if the sport, action sports, NBA, whatever, it starts getting more brands to come in, the whole industry grows. So what do I care? Hmm. Dave Mira went from $50,000 helmet deals to multi-million dollar helmet deals because of competition monster came along red bull had the you know that competition breeds success so and do you do you how, how do you kind of what kind of intel do you use to in order to to get in those deals because i think one of the one of the barriers to most people making a good deal is not really knowing you know what's on the table right 
how do you typically learn? And I, this isn't in my little question list, but it, it, it makes sense. How do you learn what is on the table? In other words, if you're saying like, okay, Dave Mira's helmet deal, and you got Red Bull and, and Monster kind of, you know, battling against each other. How do you understand what's actually, you know, the, how, do you, how can you see the whole picture there? It's a difficult thing. I mean, look, I would say in 20 years of doing this, the best deals I ever did were not always the biggest revenue. Hmm. You know, I've got hit a little bit times with the lucky stick too, let's just face this. But I could tell you like, when you get an athlete young enough like Pastrana or even Ken Roxon when I got him and you can create a persona around an athlete, like him showing up at a suit at the press conference. Come on, that wasn't his idea. I mean, I know I'm on a podcast, so now everybody will know it was my idea. But like, right. you know, you're creating the brand that you want to sell. And when I saw Kenny as a young athlete coming over, even though he's German, I had to right away, just like my learnings from Bob Bernquist, I got to make you American quick. Because Jamie Bestwick never got the deals Mira did because Jamie was too British. Americans don't, I mean, you're over here, but they don't want to spend money on you. That's why Dave got all the corporate deals. Even when Jamie started whooping his ass, he's American, good looking, right. takes his shirt off, like whatever it may be. You're creating a persona with your client, musician, whatever it is. Same with the brands. Brands are creating a persona, right? Nike's like, or Under Armour, clickety clack back in the day. Like you're creating that persona. So for me with every athlete, to your point, Roxanne's an example is like, we could have got more money from Monster. In his prime, they made a bigger offer. I couldn't look at myself and Kenny and say, that's your brand. He's a Red Bull guy. Ken Block's a monster guy. Like you just, you kind of know. Right. Now, if you really believe in a long-term plan and success as an athlete, you're okay not taking the biggest deal. And I'm talking, by the way, it was a substantial different deal. I respect Monster and Red. I'm not saying one was better than the other, but Red Bull, it's just, he's, a, he's more of an athlete showboater. Like there was just a better alignment there. Whereas like, for what Ken Block wanted to do with the, you know, like his look and his whole thing, whatever. It's like, okay, monster makes sense there. Red Bull probably wouldn't fit him as much. Right. Um, and then I take it down to the Honda deal. Like, you know, his, you know, he was the most sought after guy prior to the injury and, and, and even still he sells more, you know, he's still the guy, but like I had an opportunity to, to bring a baseball contract into the industry. And again, this comes from my learnings over Wasserman and having knowledge of this is it's a tough sport. You sign with a team just like you do in baseball. And my theory was, why aren't the contracts guaranteed? I went through this with Travis and other guys that injury ruins your career. And in baseball, when Stanton got hit by the pitch, if he had never played again, he was receiving $313 million. That was a Wasserman client. And I remember that year that happened was before Kenny was switching into his next deal. And the big bike, he already raced for Kerry, but it was like he won a championships and all the money was coming. And KTM, Yamaha, everybody was after him. More money KTM for sure. Only thing Honda gave me that no one else gave me, I'll guarantee the contract. And that meant even while he was on that Suzuki, if he never raced for Honda, he was getting paid for five years, one of the biggest contracts ever done in the sport. And no one's ever done that in the sport. So that to me was, I was setting a new precedence and I was doing it to hopefully make the whole industry change. Again, it hasn't happened since. I'm hoping it can happen again. You have to have the right athlete and then eventually, hopefully it becomes repetitive, right? Mm -hmm. um, but like to me, I take a lot of pride. Now, why? I got lucky, right? What happened? He had that injury. Honda's paid him every dime. I can promise you the other brands, not because they're bad people. They couldn't justify that amount of money. They would have used the injury clause that every athlete has. And they would have said, hey, we'll pay you when you come back, whatever. That would have been millions of dollars to Kenny. Right. It, it, Honda's not mad. It's a deal we all lived with. And I think the right deal when you leave to your point is when both parties feel like they're getting a partnership, not bent over. 
And I don't, I mean, I've been in the industry forever and there's been times where people are like, I don't care if you like me, just respect the way I do business. And I don't think I would have been able to repetitively do the business I've done if I hadn't delivered a return or right. learn from my mistake with a brand also. Like, hey, I, I owe you one. Like I definitely didn't go the way we thought it went. There's also gotta be some criteria, right? Walking into these things. All these athletes have to have sort of like, okay, so what's the checklist look like now as, as opposed to back in 08? Like when you were, you know, when it was like this, the outside of Modder, Modder was the last guy on our podcast, Chris Modder, you remember him from, from Red Bull, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. And we were talking about like that 2008 to 2014 or 2012 era, right? Where just everything was happening, right? Everybody was on the upswing. Social media didn't have quite as much of an impact on our daily lives then. It was obviously, it was in its infancy, but it was going. But now it's, it's obviously, I think, these brands are looking for not just athletes, but they're looking for, and I'm using finger quotes, influencers, because we all know what that really means, right? There's certain, Damien says it all the time, that there are people that are actually, are influencers and there are people that actually have influence. Um, but from a criteria standpoint, what, what, are, what are brands looking at, looking for from your athletes? And when you walk in with your sort of, if you walk into a brand, you're like, look, I've got a stable of athletes or I can connect you with the right people. What do they want to see? Um, I, I, I think it all depends on, I'll give you the general answer. But again, it's like saying action sports or saying stick and ball. It's like you got to be specific because mm -hmm. NBA is a very influential, um, diverse, very high value to brands right now versus maybe snowboarding right now, right? So everything's different. But if I said in the general sense, what's a, what, what, what let's say non-endemic brands are looking for and endemic brands would be the full package. I mean, more than ever, whether it be in the football world or whatever, or, or basketball even, I remember Clay Thompson's dad saying to me once, like, and that's not that long ago when his dad played at the elite level, like his son saying like, look, we got a league deal and we got a shoe deal for lucky and we went and played basketball and we won. It was about winning even the team. Teams actually, it's still about winning no matter what, like, Shackler got big in a lot of ways, but yeah, but winning helps. Like right. you have the full package, Mira, Pastrana, you know, Bo Jackson. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter what sport, winning, Warriors, Steph Curry. Like if you're on a shitty team your whole life, it's not as good as you're not, right? But having said that, if you could be in the heart of a champion, if you could be a champion, you're good looking, male or female, if you're marketable, if you got a good like head on your shoulder, that sort of stuff, and a social digital following and understanding how to communicate through content, then yeah, it's a full package, right? That's the ideal LeBron. That's the ideal situation. Um, you know, you look at like a LeBron James, it's, he's got philanthropy, he's got business owner, he's got donate, you know, one of the best donators, a business, or I said business, sorry, he's good looking, he's athletic, attractive, you want to aspire to be LeBron. That's the full package. Oh, by the way, he just won a championship. Done. Signed, sealed, and delivered. That's the 360, right? Right. Um, so, and then I would say on the other side, it just depends. Like, you know, there's brands now coming in that, you know, they may be looking just specifically to build equity in their logo and their name because they're a new company. Well, then that's going to be something like looking at sports like golf or action sports because the brand can live through all the content on the individual. Um, you know, they may be trying to conquest a new audience. So they're going to look at somebody's social media, right? Like Michelle Wee, somebody used this example the other day, or even Kalia versus Alana. Like when you break it down, Alana has a lot more following, but let's face it, she's got 90% men. When I go into somebody with less following on a female side, but guess what? If you're a female brand, 
I'd probably go with that person because they actually have more females. Like Michelle Wee is one of my favorites. I don't represent her, but I, I just think she was great for golf, still is. Now she's a mom, she's pregnant. But I remember working on the brand side a little bit where even people that maybe didn't check out their work, whatever, or even their agent, you know, pitching saying, Michelle, be great for that women's product. It's like, if it's a pure social media plan, I don't know if I agree with that. She's 91% of the people following her are men. Like, I don't know if I agree with that, right? Yeah, so it's not and just the number wonder, Right, so, so that's kind of that information that brands want, right? And then, but if you were Michelle Wee, a women's brand coming in and you wanted to use her name and likeness to attract women or uh, on, on course logo, whatever, yeah, then social media doesn't matter. You're still gonna go to, you're going to Michelle Wee. Right. But if not, you might be going to a lesser golfer that has a big following like macro versus micro on social media if that's 100% of your initiative because they can show you that, yeah, I only have 200,000 followers. She has 1 million, but I have 200,000 women. She has 100,000 women, like that type of stuff. Well, we always think of it this way too is that WSL doesn't equal surfing, right? Surfing's a bigger – and I think action sports are the same way. Like the action sports leagues, like street league doesn't equal skateboarding. Skateboarding is way bigger than street league, right? So – it's a harder thing to, to, to be able to pin down what a winner is and what, you know, and because I think in, in a lot of cases, the, the people that are winning those types of events, like, a, you know, the most, a world champion in surfing doesn't necessarily have more influence than, than like a, a free surfer. You know, it, it, they might have more followers, but they might not have necessarily more influence. Like people, Dane Reynolds doesn't surf in contests, but Dane Reynolds is the most popular surfer in, in the world. Right? <laughs> People so, hate me for doing that Quicksilver deal. You want to talk about deals? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that one paid. When I was at when I was at Quicksilver, my first catching that one up, buddy. My first job out of um, out of surfing was at Quicksilver, and you guys had done that deal. And I remember there was a company wide rule after that that they basically said if an athlete is repre represented by Wasserman, we won't deal with them. Right. right. <laughs> Say so yeah. by, by the way, when I when I will take this back, guys, I, I don't even I don't even have respect. Like Quicksilver, Roxy, and I, even though I just redid Cleus, we just don't. We're never gonna see eye to eye, ever, yeah. ever. I think they're lazy at marketing the app. Like I can go on forever, and I say this to them, so that's why I can say it on a podcast. Like we, we torch them all the time. Brand, Dude, we torch That's Quicksilver. an example of a brand, and I don't mean to. Like they could do it. They're they're so relevant in so many different worlds. Like. I go to football stuff. People are wearing Quicksilver and Roxy and like there's a respect there, but they don't put the effort in behind the brand to, to push the industry to grow outside. It's like too many of the leaders still, and I wouldn't be where I'm at now if I wasn't the dumbest one in the room and stayed just action sports. The learnings I've taken from baseball, I got the largest guaranteed contract. The Dane Reynolds deal, like it's because Dane didn't care. To be honest with you, he didn't care. But you know why we really got that? Because John Slusher at Nike called me back then and said, I will back the truck up, do whatever you got to do to get Dane what you want if you really want to stay it quick, but just know you have an open. Like, I could have – Nike gave me a hall pass. So I could call quick and be like, if you don't like it, what do you mean? I mean, Dane was that guy. You guys know. Yeah. He didn't give a shit. So he's well, just like, huh? like, Dane has influence. A and he's not, a world, he's not a world champion, doesn't like certain – won't surf heats. But but I think more people. I, I fuck, he was like the Pied Piper back then, dude. You showed up at a beach with that kid. Yeah. No. <laughs> what? Totally. It was like the Pied Piper. It but that's crazy. action sports, and that's the challenge yeah. I think that it has because it can't connect itself to a big broadcast event like like you know like like mainstream sports can. Yeah. Even golf and tennis and everything else, they they have this sort of broadcast platform that that surfing yeah. and. And skateboarding and other things. I mean, I just don't understand why Quick and Roxy. I mean, they, Roxy does it a little bit because of the Haley and stuff. But like, 
so many of our brands, it's like the NASCAR saying, when the private jets, every team was on a private jet and things are great because the demographic was there. Were they not realizing the demographic's gonna die eventually or get really old? Like, mm -hmm. how do we not think as a brand, you know, I honestly believe, and I'm gonna, I'll repeat this, Quicksilver could have been bigger than Nike. At one point, if they went to the NFL and the NBA and everything else, and with the right strategy, they could have. Under Armour, Kevin Plank executed perfectly. Perfectly. When we were, when my, I didn't, Under Armour, I made fun of it, clickety-clack. I mean, look, we all did. They were like undergarments, whatever. Look at them now. Third launch. I mean, it's just, how did, and, and I can remember Paul telling me at Billabong, I will never sell outside of surf shops. That mentality alone, we're done. Like, that's it. We're done, right? And whereas like, imagine the amount of money the athletes could have made in surf and imagine what the sport would have if we, if, if the brands in surf, and it's not too late, I think Ruka, there are some brands that can still do it coming up in the ranks, like a Rourke or something like that, that doesn't, that has great leadership thinking that there's a bigger world than just surf. But like quick knows they see the sales Volcom that like having a guy that plays basketball in their shorts, golfing or something like that is obviously sales. Why don't we go more access to them quicker and speak to them like a, and engage with them versus it only when we're trending cool. Like if the Olympics happens, it'll be like Midwest again. Like why didn't we have a 365 day strategy as an industry to keep conquesting a new audience outside the world that we live in? But it was always like, no, let's just incubate in action sports. Let's spend more money in skate. And they didn't do that. And they didn't surf, and then and they didn't execute that well, right? They didn't even execute that. This is, we talk about this all the time. And again, I, I can fucking Monday morning. Or what no, 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 we, we do it all the time. We just talk, we, we do nothing but talk shit about Quicksilver. Trust me, we had 23 episodes and, in, and I think all And only because we, it's just like you, because we see the opportunity with them, you know? And, and look, I respect the, the hell of them. They've been so good to me, to the industry and everything. But I, I, I just feel like it's like, did we not want to go hire somebody from a different world and bring them in? Like, I love that, and I won't mention, but some of the smaller brands I'm talking to now, it's like, well, where'd you come from in action sports? It's like, no, I was at Apple. It's like, oh shit, I like this. Like, this is cool. Not because he's in bed, but it's just like, even now we're incubating. If I can bring a sneaker head into the luggage world, we're launching a luggage with candy, and luggage looks like sneaker, like that whole culture you build and design, it's like, that's, that's, a, that's a new opportunity. Um, and I just think Quicksilver, at one point, Billabong, um, they just could have transcended so many new audiences and, and not just through the core of action sports, even though they did grow to millions, you know, hundreds of well, millions. Well, that's just not what kids are looking dollar. at, right? Kids, yeah. social media allowed kids to see things, you know, globally now, right? That, so yeah. they're, they're going to be inspired by, again, the same thing you just said about Travis Scott earlier, right? Travis Scott, yeah. Travis Pastrana, what, all of it, same, same, right? It's, it doesn't make yeah. any difference, but the, the kids are, kids are going to be inspired by, music, art, culture, whatever. And they're not limited. If you're a surfer, you're not limited to looking like a surfer anymore. In fact, yeah. that's kind of kooky if you do, right? You're not, those yeah. kids don't want that shit. And the reason well, I think they that's why Vans has done those such brands a good job. are looking and Dumas says this all the time. They've, they've kept their eye on the horizon, like of this ocean, mm -hmm. and they don't turn their turn around and look at the city, look at the urban centers, look at what's actually happening in culture. Right. So now they're just, they've basically alienated themselves from the people that should be their, their biggest fans. Yeah. Um, no, yeah I know. Sure. I know we've only got a few minutes left with you. One of the things I wanted to ask, we have a lot of young, obviously surfers and kind of action sports. We have some more people. time. I delayed a little bit. 
Uh, cool. Thank you. One of the things is what is the best advice you'd have for a young athlete or a young surfer or any, anybody coming up? I think, you know, we, Baron and Eli, Sean and I were talking about this a little bit and Lulu is probably our youngest. Well, Aaron, actually, she, it's crazy. I mean, quick story on her. I don't know if you saw, she got 20 staples in her head. Yeah. Um, Dude, the shit she's been doing in the mental wise has been fucking it's crazy. Um, and she came out of the water and all she was bummed about was not like, I mean, as a female, like your head and everything like that. She's like, I just, I'm going to miss two days of surfing. Like I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's aggressive. Um, I guess my advice it would be to a young surfer or a young um, skater. My advice would be um, to try and create your persona earlier. I don't think we have enough rock stars anymore. I hate saying that, but it's like when snowboarding was banging, we had rock stars. But mind you, by the way, rock stars that could win also. Kevin Jones, Peter Lyon, they got a lot of medals, but they were rock stars. And when it became very... And by the way, a rock star can be a jock. Like I'm training right now, like with, with one of my, my agents, I'm saying your client is a jock, make him a jock, Chase Sexton. The guy wears Jordan looking stuff. He wears headphones to the line, doesn't talk to anybody. Like this kid's a jock. Market him as that. Roxanne's the pretty boy like that. You, got, you have these personas yeah. you create. And I think even though you're young, I would say as a young surfer or skater, try and create a persona that you believe in, has to be authentic, right? Um, but when you're an athlete, you have to shine out. You can win every event in surf and still not be, to your point, is relevant. So why not be also very relevant to whatever you choose to be and then stick with it, don't change, right? If Baron's going to go with the, I'm okay with my shirt off and TikTok and girls liking me and all that sort of stuff, then go all the way. Don't back out. Go all the way. And then kick their ass in the surf, then you're good. you got a big, broad thing, i.e. Sheckler, whatever it may be. Um, I, I think like for them, for even as a young surfer or a skater is the other thing is just surrounding yourself with the type of mentor you want. So like if you aspire to be an Olympic athlete, I don't know that I would be going to train with Olympic skater right now. I'd be like, who can you mutual admiration society? Like what Olympic athlete that's not even action sports respect skateboarding, go find that person and maybe build a relationship with them. Um, I have a few athletes that early on in their career, you know, I, connected them with a basketball player or, you know, I mean, Sheckler obviously had that relationship with Kobe and other mainstream athletes that helped him in his persona. Um, so I think some of the advice I would give is just like have a mutual admiration society, whether it be with other walks of life and music and, and different mentorships. And then I think, you know, the, the number one thing for surf and skate for me now too is for longevity and to be blue chip and to make that money and, and, and give yourself and family a way to survive the rest of your life from it is to be thinking about your business opportunities very early. What's the category that you're going to make money in the industry? And then what could you bring as a white space opportunity and surround yourself with your friends or whatever it may be, right? So when we do this, even like recruiting in mainstream sports now, it's like, okay, basketball, you shouldn't start a shoe deal. <laughs> this is good money. But like, let's go do sunglasses, right? Because there's no sunglasses. Like, and by the way, maybe there's more action sports guys on that. Maybe that's the business you're starting. That's the white space you're going to find or, you know, whatever it may be. I'm making that up. But like, I think it's important early on to decide where are you going to roll the dice and maybe work with startups or niche brands or start your own brand because it is very inexpensive to do now. I mean, anybody can start a brand now. This is so cool. It's right here. It's like a couple of posts, whatever, and you can find out what you're doing. And that's why artists have become so relevant. You look at Michael at Chinatown Market. They just, they drop something up. It's gone. Phase, it's gone. 
you're talking millions of dollars in revenue. And the other thing, I talked to Ryan about this the other day because he's considering his next chapter is like, this is a big year for him. Everything's up. I'm so happy that like even Oakley, they want to re-sign him. It's probably not going to be head to toe because they're not doing clothing as much or whatever else. But like they really stepped up with a large offer still for eyewear only. But Ryan's the longest standing athlete in that company. And so I really respect that. But it also gives him an opportunity to be like, okay, I'm going to have a shoe deal. I'm going to have a drink deal. I'm going to have this. I have my skate brand. Maybe I want to start a clothing company, but it's not like starting a clothing company to become like Billabong. It's like maybe being a polar or a Rourke and staying humble is okay. I use the example of Ingemar Backman. I don't know if you guys remember him with Atlanta snowboards. Yeah. When he was out of his house here, I remember this was in the early 90s. When he was out of his house here, he was probably the most EBITDA profit for your guests, you know, profitable yeah. freaking snowboard company I've ever seen. He opened that damn office and went bankrupt. Yeah. because it was the size his niche and his white space and where he was by the way six seven million i think you got like that's like a real business and so like i was talking to ryan is like okay but you know i always use this example like ken block and i always wanted to start a sushi restaurant it's like we looked at each other going we all know this is just for sushi right because we ain't gonna make any money it's like go in knowing what the white what the envelope is i've told my team here they're all partners we're growing something exciting obviously there's an exit for them but for me, it's like, my goal would be they buy my, I have a number in my envelope. I have my next chapter, 10 years, I'm giving everybody a 10 year run. I said that before and I made it longer. Maybe I will, but right now I have a 10 year build focus and providing my entrepreneurs this opportunity. And there's a number in the envelope. I said that day one, I don't, I'm not gonna like change my mind. And it's like, I think too many businesses and Polar was a brand I thought was like, oh my God, it's going to work. It's going to be the next Panagonia, but not, don't get greedy, stay humble. And they went 2 million, 9 million. I mean, that's huge, right? And then, okay, let's go. And they just didn't think as operators, like surround yourself with a great CFO who's freaking done this. You know, you can't just be creative and cool. I am useless without my first hire again, an accountant and a fucking lawyer. It's like, right. you've got to surround yourself with smarter people. So, um, to your point earlier, even about like the, the, the younger generation and what they should be thinking of is, you know, that's a nice little business. I told Ryan, it's like, if we do this apparel thing, let's say we just set a goal to be like 9 million. And when we get there, we stay there. We don't, we don't fuck with that and we can fluctuate, but we're building the business to be EBITDA driven and maybe be the Ruka that Ruka was the first two years with Pat, but be that forever until it literally sells and then do whatever you want. Right. But there's more money probably for Ryan in that, you know, you know, launching something casual driven with some other people he respects in the industry, direct to consumer, zero retail, then maybe a paycheck he'd get now at this point in his career. And he's financially okay, so he doesn't have to, that's the risk. So anyway, I, imagine. I wish Ryan thought of that, but I wish he and I both thought about that earlier, yeah? Yeah. We, we, we didn't, so. But I mean, he, didn't he have a bunch of deals, he had other deals that, didn't he have a Sheckler line? What was, yeah, the license in JCP. Yeah, no, look, great. look. And we, we don't regret anything. You just learn and look at yeah, it. Like, right. I wish we maybe planned a little bit more, mm -hmm. but you know, he made a lot of money in those days. Those were seven figure things. You capitalize on the, the TV show. And now he has the luxury when the skate industry the last few years has gone to shit is that, you know, we represent at Wasserman, you know, who we represent. And I kind of know the whole industry of skate. I mean, Ryan, because of who he is globally, because of that show, it's the highest paid. It's right. crazy. You'd think Nigel, like other than Nigel with a Nike deal, take away his Nike deal. But like, Ryan with Red Bull, I mean, you guys know, like, he's been there since he's 13 years old. Oakley, Etnies, Etnies, he's been there since he's nine. That kind of loyalty, you can't really value in that. So, 
um, you know, he's a good example, obviously, of a yes. long career with a good strategy. But his strategy was never equity until later on. You know, Ryan's biggest equity stuff is stuff you don't even know he was in. Like, he's in stance. Never endorsed the product. But he was an early investor. Kapari, you know, the women's company? He's yeah. an investor in that company. He ain't going around hawking to Kapari. But he's just, he knew that brand would work in this industry, who was starting it, who the operators were. And by the way, it's a very successful investment. Do you help him with those, with those investments? Or is that, is that just on him? Yeah, no, of course. But that's yeah, like, no, I mean, but that's no, part I mean, of the yeah. plan, right? I mean, yeah. that's the initiative that I think like we were talking about it today. I don't know that everybody's like me, but like I, the only thing, like people ask me sometimes, what's the worst part of this job? A, I've never worked a day in my life since I started this job. What I will say is the thing regret that I wish I knew earlier, and I don't know if I would do it all over again, is the emotional ups and downs and stress of this business is unlike any other business. I've been through suicides. I've been through 19 divorces. I've been through parent not talking to kids. I've been, and when I say I go through that, yeah, this is why I admire some agents that worked for me that I mentored and didn't take all my habits. I admire, look, I'm not gonna throw them under the bus, Ryan Runke, Marker, whatever. They didn't do what I did. I took too much of this personal. I mean, guys have surgery. I'm in the surgery room and then they're in my house. Like I. I, re I admire agents that can be transactional. I'll talk about both sides of my mouth. I, I admire a lot of agents that they have the bro mentality and the friendship. But like for me, the emotional ups and downs I took through this last 20 years, I don't wish that on anybody. And that's why even training Beaks and some of my agents, it's like, hey, think like this, set boundaries. And I still can't get away with it. Zion lives with me right now. Zion Wright lives with me. I'm a 48 fucking year old man. I mean, uh, 40, sorry, 40. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't, I don't, this is family to me. It's an emotional, but like, so I would say when you say, what is the, the stress? Like, everybody's always like, what are the great things? What are the good things? It's like, fuck, the thing that's the heart of me is I still can't find balance. Like, the emotional roller coaster I go on because I take it so personal. I mean, I've cried and cried. I've cried. Chad lets me tell this story. I cry when like my athletes don't listen on an investment. I was in the Roosevelt hotel begging him and his wife and crying emotionally because I come from no money. I don't want any of my athletes. If they truly listen, my goal would be you don't work. You don't have to work. If you choose to work great. But like I come from a place you don't want to be broke. I lived in a car with my mom. Like you don't want to be there. And so that's that insecurity I have. I always think the sky's falling. Don't go write that check. Sky's falling. So when you say, I do that for Ryan. I like to like bring opportunities. I always say, Hey, it's a risk. And most of the time I always say, it's like, I'm going in with you. So it's like, Hey, if I lose, you lose whatever, but it's not my job to advise, but like I have my favorites, you know, Ken Roxon and I mirror when he was alive, Nyquist. They're not my favorites in the sense of revenue. They were like family to me. So we built businesses together. Also, Ryan, and I had a very successful run from 2001 to 2004 and flipping houses in San Diego. That's all we did, not Sheckler, Nyquist. He was, he, was, he was into that. And I'll tell you what, Mira and a couple of them jealous. But I was like, dude, it was Ryan, Ryan wanted to do this. Like he and I were just like, let's fucking do it. It's like, so, you know, sometimes I don't do a good enough job setting, you know, boundaries, I guess. And I think Blair does. I think a lot of guys I've mentored have done a really good job with that. Like, and they've had a better lifestyle, to be honest with you. I'm jealous in some cases, you know, so that would probably, probably not really like an the, easy yeah. way for you to operate. Right. Like it just not, it doesn't come naturally for you. It, I think we all kind of, you know, we fall into who we actually naturally are. It's an authenticity. Right? I mean, everybody so says that person, that's your, that's yeah. the person you are probably 
be much less comfortable to be any other way, right? So you have to look at it the other flip yeah. side. I, I, yeah, it doesn't mean you don't look. I mean, everybody says it, so I'm not going to be cliche that COVID self-work. But like, I spent the summer up in Idaho. Um, basically, I was blessed to be able to do something a year ago. And, and you know, my son and I got to go up there. There was no COVID, by the way. There was one case in March. Like, it was literally like you'd think you'd love it. I was in a bubble. And I looked at that as a moment. And some of people that have known me for 20 years worked for me. Even Blair came up on his birthday or just saw it. We're like, dude, this would have never, I never happened. And then the second Trump, that was probably the biggest thing that went funny viral, right? With my friends. I drove from the Senate. You know, I've never been in a car for more than probably five hours since I was 20, 21, 22, 23, when I was a team manager. I haven't road tripped in over 20 something years. And it was one of the most ex amazing experiences entering Yellowstone and coming down. Like we take for granted life like this. Everybody's sitting there going RV sales up because people are spending time with their family again. Like that's the silver lining for me is that like maybe it taught me that Blair knew something the whole way, the whole time and all these people that spend time with their family, whatever. I was always like, I don't want my kids to be poor. I don't want my friends to be poor. So I'm just going to do all the, I'm going to be a workaholic. And I missed out this COVID and I know it's cliche, the self-work changed my life forever. It really did. I mean, like I experienced things I've never experienced in my life. I've never done a road trip like that except on a Greyhound bus from fucking Boston to Vail, because it's all we can afford is a $99 ticket when I moved to Vail, Colorado. Like that was my road trip, which by the way, I would recommend that to anybody. That is the scary trip <laughs> and a lot of stops. So. Yeah, and, and I would imagine some very exotic smells as well in that kind of way. Oh man, that, well, that's a different one. So you, Duma, you did your uh, best advice, which is usually the last question. You got any other, anything else for, for uh, Uncle Astafin here? One one question, sorry, one last one, and it might send you it might send Go you down a rabbit hole. But and we'll we'll just cut it into earlier before my last one. Um, what are the biggest differences you see between obviously you're working with all these different sports leagues now? It's MLB, you said basketball, yeah. all these, and with with the athletes. What is the biggest difference you see between those sports leagues and the WSL, and where the WSL could learn? Because one of the things I always want to focus on is like, you know, we talk a lot of shit on them, but it's making sure that we're providing some kind of. Uh, positive like criticism and like takeaways for, for anyone listening i think that the most recent wsl let's talk right before covid i actually started to see some light at the end of the tunnel um so i would say overall uh what i saw or, or what i think is one is um i don't think when you know your sport endemically is big enough but globally in the sense of like eyeballs and whatever it's really I thought the league would come back. Like you don't see the NBA going to China until China pays. Does that make sense? But they still had a viewership. People find it. And I think the fragmentation of the tour going to places and, and that sort of stuff, I think as a league, a proper union league or whatever, would have probably voted that different if maybe somebody from the NBA came in and said like, wait a second. They would have looked at it just going like, hey, let's master the US first. Is that your biggest market? Let's master it, right? I can't tell you how many years it took the NFL to go internationally, right? Even the PGA tour right now, it's still a few times because they have the separate tour. Um, so one thing would have been like for me, for the WSL, even going forward, I think a little bit less diversity is okay. I think it's a little too fragmented still, right? There's so many countries, brands don't activate 
globally anymore unless you're endemic. And if we keep relying on endemic, we saw that what happened in same with NASCAR, right? It's like when all the houses on the beach went away and Billabong and everything, it's like, oh shit, we should have thought of this, right? When they were writing the check, nobody cared. Billabong, quick, everybody's competing and bulk them and they're writing the check. So for me, I always say like, again, I hate quarterback couch or whatever it is, but like, I love this. So I would do it. Like, so if I was running the WSL, the first thing I do is I'd take a step back. And I would bring it to just Hawaii in the US. And I would try to build, you know, year round activations through content, which they're doing, but I would have a continuous calendar and focus on North America and Hawaii, like Canada, maybe you could include just some runoff up there, whatever, because the, the way the networks work and everything. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing that, that I think they can learn from the industry, the other leads and stuff is more global organization of brand deals so like we we're talking about this today the nflpa if you have it like if they have a deal whatever they bring the athletes deals so and i want to give credit in the last seven months the wsl last year or so they've actually started to figure that now maybe it's the women and the brought in to do it but we have halls i know other people have benefited from this that the league is finally realizing that like wait if a sponsor is our sponsor just like nba or nfl by the way the more deals come to agents in the nba pa and the nflpa then an agent, don't try to let them, you know, even Wall Street, don't let them tell you they brought in you know, Clay's to so deal. I had Clay Toss. That came from the NFL, NBA PA, because they activate all their sponsors, have to spend a certain amount with athletes and teams, right? And I don't, I, I don't know that WSL has, again, it seems like they've siloed, you guys would know more than me, but they've siloed their department. So you have like events, marketing, media, sponsorship. The NFL, although siloed, there's a big difference between fragmentation and diversified. So they're now trying to figure out in the NFLPA and the NFL working together versus fighting together and the way the licensing works and the brands and everything else like that. I think there's a monetizable value to that for the athletes and everything. And then that elevates everybody's you know stuff. Now, again, recently that has worked with Michelob Ultra. I've seen them do a great job, right? They're sponsor of some events or the way, whatever it is, they sponsor John John and Kalia and whatever else. The more that gets cohesive in the WSL, because that's really what will eventually drive a better media deal. And we have to shrink, I think Wavepool is going to change it too, but we have to shrink the geographical world if you want to try and get surfing on the US or a television deal, you know, in a media size. We got to remember that, and even now more so than ever, but even pre-COVID, the biggest deals in the NBA, the thing that funds the NBA to do all these great stuff in the NFL and baseball is television or content. That's the reality. The biggest revenue. The default in our industry, who's owned the biggest events in action sports? ESPN and NBC, X Games and Gravity Games. Can you name another league that would ever say you could own us? It's like, so again, we need a cleanup. Might be COVID. Perfect time. Maybe that's why I'm seeing WSL think, you know, more creative. I think the reality show is good. Like the, the, the thought of that, the execution, a little bit of a disconnect from what they're trying to do, right? When you watch Hard Docs, it's in like you're it's it's owned and licensed and everything's together, and you can tell that's an NFL project. The WSL, I feel like again, it's that it's just I don't know, and I don't want to judge. I, I'm not internal, but it seems like the left doesn't always know the right, but they had the right intention. So these guys want to go put on live events, really good events. These guys know now media is important. We're going to do a reality show, and then there's a sponsorship. But are they really communicating on a 360? And it's like the game of telephone. I always use why at Wasserman, I thought this was a benefit and I'm doing it here is if you don't silo, 
you never know when there's going to be a lot of information. But if you silo too much, even from consulting to social to content to media to athletes, it's the game of telephone with kids. You tell them the story, and by the time it gets around, it's a total bullshit story. It's pregnant. It's the same thing. That's what our industry does. Famously, we do it in action sports. It's like, and Supercross too. It's like you have to do a deal with the event. You have to do a deal with the team. You have to do a deal. T-Mobile CML told me one time. He's like, Steve, I left action sports for one reason. I don't. I think I had like 26 open vendors just to get one deal in action sports. I had to do it. An athlete. I had to do this and this. When he bought the NBA, you can do team. You here's your fucking menu, cut and paste, and they do it all for you. It's like there. You know the rights you're getting. When you go buy WSL right now, if you do, you don't know where it airs, so you don't know what television rights are. And by the way, you have to call me as the athlete. There's no unified thing. And a lot of agents said this to me, and I think they're crazy. Back to the less more efficient. The day that unions come in to supercross, motocross, surf, and skate and everything, every agent's fighting it. It's the fucking best day ever. It's the best day ever. Because guess what? They bring you all the deals. All the work that we're doing is what we're supposed to be doing. The NFLPA brings you fucking deals. Like, that's a union. That's what they do. And go, whatever else. It takes away. Like, in action sports, we don't have that. Right. And that's why, like, right now, Wasserman and, and, and a couple other surf agents, we don't have enough yet on the WSL. They're looking great. Like, like all these new contracts, those are coming from WSL. They should be talking about that. Because that is actually, that's not the agent's job technically. That's not a traditional. I used to really respect Darn that you call, you know, the league, you do a league deal, a shoe deal, and everything else just flows. No expectations. For me, an athlete's like, what are you bringing me? Car deal? If I can sell, it's like, holy shit. When is enough time in the day? So, I mean, just that last thought for WSL, because you want to focus on surf, is that I think being diversified is okay. Being a gold sport is okay. I don't, need, I don't know that you need to be on the sand around the world. Not yet. I mean, I, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume the world is watching Hawaii. The world is watching the U.S. Open. The world is watching, like, meaning if, if it's aired right, you can watch, you know, in London, the reason eventually, you know, football went over there. There's a lot of football. There's bars in London that have the same things we have here, like the Pittsburgh Steelers bar. The, that's what you want. We want people in France watching U.S. surfing for now. Because the most money is going to come out of here. That's a given. And you can control it, be diversified, but not be fragmented. I remember when, before the WSL, when Blair was really pushing me and Casey and, and I was into surf too, like we were all like, how do we grow surf? I would literally go to brands and they'd be like, Steve, but even Ford, who at the time was thinking globally, but they don't activate globally. Right. They just don't. And they don't spend globally. You got to convince a guy in the U.S. to go convince a guy in Europe, and then by the way, when you leave Europe, you got to go convince a guy in Australia, whatever else like that. It, it doesn't work. You need to, to to own somewhere and then let it run over elsewhere. Well, and a lot of the brands right. that do, and I just a lot think of the, the WSL sponsor, should look at that. A lot of the brands that do sponsor WSL are actually sponsoring it with their global arm of that brand. So, in other words, Jeep. We work a lot with Jeep to to activate the WSL. Jeep, the the sort of budget comes from international because the, because it's an international sport. So it's not right. like a U.S. budget. It's not a, it's not a North American budget. It's actually completely. But again, my question budget. would be, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Sorry? You know what I mean? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. You could argue that's great for the sport, but is it a bad thing because where it's the biggest, Jeep is not activating it in domestic, right? Yeah. It's like, that's scary to me. It's like, oh, they're doing it internationally, but then you call the guy, the CMO of 
U.S. like Diamond Chrysler and Jeep, and it'll be like, what? What are you talking about? That's international. They, they, and we're not going to change that. You're not going to change Ford. I've been working with Ford for 10 years. I have tried from CFO, CMO. Ken Block was so well-respected there. He gave me access, not I went and did this. You know, they loved him all the way up. I've met the Fords. I've met all of them that are activated, the CMO, everywhere down. And even them, I would challenge and be like, you know, you could own this. And they're like, Steve, what do we do with the NFL? I was like, I don't know. know. Wasserman does the deal. What do we do? I was like, well, you choose F-150 for that campaign that whole year. Okay, we sell trucks in Europe, but do we really give a shit? No, we want the NFL. If we want men, this demographic, we buy the NFL. We get tailgate. We get media rights. We get player use. We get blah, blah, blah. They just, it's a turnkey situation. And I hope that WSL, I know that I told Sean Ward recently, and he did. He reached out to her, who's doing a good job with the partnerships and stuff. Is like, this, this is, shouldn't be an ego thing, right? It shouldn't be that, like, if, if you want to do a deal with my athlete, that's my job to do that deal and manage that process for you. But there should be no ownership, right? And it's back to that this thing. More deals come for basketball players and football players from the league than any agent or marketing company, whatever, pitching an athlete. Parents to, today in recruiting stuff, they ask me, like, well, this brand, this agency's promising me this. This agency's, I said, they're promising because we all get the fucking phone call. Let me let the secret out of the bad. When you sign as a rookie, you're going to get a call for this sponsor because it's an NFL spot. Like, that comes through the NFL. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. That opportunity is going to come. So that needs to happen more in action sports. You know what I mean? I've tried to take that role on myself for many years where it's like bringing deals to athletes we didn't represent because of the right working with brands on building these teams. But God knows, and I've preached this forever. I was, I can't wait for the day that, you know, Feld calls me and says, we own your rider, the team, and the series. Hallelujah. Checks 12 million. Let me know when it hits the bank. Own them. <laughs> I don't have to go sell them. It's like, I just got from 7 million to 12 million for Ken Roxy. He ain't going to hate me for that. Like, own them. Sell them away. Put FedEx, put freaking whatever you want on them. Right? That's the NASCAR. Everybody's like, well, you know, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson's never complained about that check. No. Who cares that Lowe's owes all those people owe him? That's the structure of the deal. So what is WSL? Where's the business plan that says, here's how we're going to grow? We have a media component. We have a league series. And we have all these brands. And we got to make sure that we work on it together. And it includes the rights of the athletes. Now, the, the problem is, just like when I try to get leagues to understand that there's a value in the union, we've always done it in the mafiosa way, right? Unfortunately, brands like Billboard, whatever, oh, or, or even the lead, WSL, instead of sending a plan and saying it's going to hurt you for a year, but you gain for the next seven years, they come and say, no Red Bull hat because Monster pays the bill. Or no doing this and no doing that. That's like when everybody comes to me, including Rick and Carmichael and other athletes going, Steve, let's go threaten Feld and like boycott Anaheim 1. And I'm like, let me tell you how this works in the other world. How about instead of threatening, we go to them seven months early and set out a list of actually asks. And then if you can't agree within six months, just like the NFL, we'll go on strike. But don't threaten them. Because threatening them, they've already sold the fans. That makes you look bad. We don't show up in Anaheim and strike in Anaheim and say, unless you pay us more. We show up six months early with a business plan to the WSL, whatever it may be. And we share with them our vision for a long-term goal and why we are okay with you owning the athlete as an agent, as a brand in the industry, whatever it is, because the efficiency saves money. Honda's going to spend money, less money racing if Feld owns them and sells all the rights, media, and everything else, which they don't have right now. 
There's a video a toy company right now trying to do something big in motocross. They got to do a deal with Feld. They got to do a deal with me. And they got to do a deal with uh, the team. Do you know in the NFL who they have to do a deal with? The NFL. They own the teams. Jerry Jones is the only one that maybe can break the rule. Other than that, you got no say. Warriors, I can't do a deal with Clay in, or, or Russell Westbrook. I lost all those deals, even with the jersey on, unless the NFL is getting, NBA is getting paid. You can't do that. But nobody's complaining. This contract's 180 million. But what, what, what's the problem with that? So, and a lot of people say like, but that's the initial investment. WSL would have to like a player, like they'd have to put guarantees. They'd have to look at stuff. But I've seen them waste money on some other stuff that we could have done. I saw the office, the gym, like back to my office example. Again, I'm not making fun. That's the decision you made. But like, why not act like a startup? Like I could talk about this stuff forever. Quibi raises a billion dollars. Like right. rest in peace. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, six but months. But they didn't act like a startup. They didn't act, everybody's like, well, COVID killed them. So act like a startup yeah. and blew a billion dollars. Well, how could well, COVID kill? There's uh, more people watching content than ever. It was the biggest, right. uh, everybody else's subscriber list went through the roof. If you yep. look at the investor list, <laughs> if you're going down, call your partner NBC who put in 10 million or Fox or blah, blah, blah. If I have the investor list. You got to see this. I mean, it's networks. You call them and go, I got all this content I spent. People aren't, look, it was a tough one for them. Before, when he came up, when, 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 John, when he did the concept and everything, it was more people are away from their home and watching content short form. So I'm going to do it. genius thing. That's, he did execute on that business plan. But how do you not bob and weave when COVID hit? Of course, people are home watching. Okay, well, my partner's Fox, NBC. I've got money from Viacom. Oh, they own a lot of networks. I've got comp. And call them and say, hey, I have all this content. I'll go from three minutes to punked episodes. Let's go to 30. Boom, here's my content. And act like a startup versus like, that was fun. Yeah, Rest and, how, and how, was, how was it not designed for all the different media, like the different outlets, like when they were doing it initially? Right. Like, okay, we'll launch with Quibi on the phone and then here's how it rolls out elsewhere. Quick one, uh, thoughts on Twitch and action sports. Is there an opportunity for those to align? Yeah, 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 for sure. Surfing too, in Twitch or any of those, in Microsoft's, their version. Um, I think also, like, I used to hate on the gaming side because I thought obesity and child obesity. I was one of the guys with burn coats and everything boycotted the X Games with that whole thing. And now it's like something – I still am not in there. I use the example I could have made a lot of money in rollerblading. I still today have never represented a rollerblader or would I ever. Um, so I, I'm sorry to say that to some people that rollerblade. There was a lot of money in rollerblade. I just chose not to. Gaming was – there was other reasons for me. I have Face Clan. I have really good friends. I have some clients that want to get into it. Juju Smith, by the way, is a football, it loves gaming. So look, the world's changing and I have to change with it. I cannot be that egotistical. Having said that to your point with Twitch, these different, these are just platforms. And I, I would go back to the WSL example. And I hate this because it's fair because I don't know their business like I know Moto or Skate or whatever else, right? Like well, I, I really don't, but <laughs> I do know a few years and you guys know him better than me. He's actually a very nice guy. And I know there's some good money in there is they had this a money person come in as a passion slave, right? My thing was at that time, the people operating it, just like Quibi, why didn't we just think like a startup? Because isn't, aren't we still a startup? We have no media revenue. We were losing money, the WSL, all this sort of stuff. So if you get all this money from this guy that comes in and says, my wife and I love surfing, we're going to pump a bunch of money. Why wouldn't you? This is the ego. This is what I just don't understand. That office, the gym, you know, look, they spent a lot of money. And I know I can money more quarterback, but come on. Is that not an obvious thing? You just blew the guy's money. Like, can you imagine the money where it could have been spent to be like, okay, full redo. Who's the best at this? 
who relaunched some business, whatever else. Okay, let's go bring that person in no matter what it costs. Who cares if they don't know surfing? It's a business plan. It's like, come in, evaluate, and pick us apart like I am, right? I'm kind of out of the industry in a way. But like what I see is fragmentation and that don't work. And I, I don't see a lot of continuity and consistency and branding and all these things. And so I think to, to your point, it's just like people take advantage of that stuff and don't act as a startup. That's what's scary to me. And again, I can't say I always did. Like I, I've acted different now or even when I started, it's like, but now I know like this is that mentality you have to have even if people give you money, like I've been blessed to, to, to have money, like I have the position that I'm in, but I got to act like this is probably where my fault has worked is that we got to think like the sky's falling now. The world is different. And so let's be prepared and be respectful for the rainy day. I have furloughed nobody. I don't have to lay anybody off. I can coast for who knows how long. The leaders, the biggest people in this industry that I respect are fucked. That's a bad thing for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that, that's ego or, or taking advantage like, again, Quibi, a billion friggin' dollars? Did you really need that to start the company? Like Madrone, one of uh, Wasserman's investors, actually, Madrone put 200 million in. That's public, I'm not breaking any rules there. It's like, you can see the list. 200 million! Holy shit. Holy shit. Like, yeah. So anyway, I don't know, I've probably ranted on too long. You gotta do a lot of editing with this shit. No, that's no, no we're fucking, so we're gonna that's just going straight live, we don't give a shit. That's the no. point of podcast, man. This is great. Uh, that that insight yeah. on the WSL is really good. I think you're pretty spot on. Yeah. And, you, and, and even yeah. though you're not close to it, you're right about the right hand not speaking to the left hand. There's this clear divide yeah. and people are running off in a different direction and unified. Because even yeah. for myself, you know, some of Jordy's biggest deals the last few years have come through the WSL. They've been great deals yeah. for Mikey too. And it's always a pleasure yeah. because it's tied into an event. It's tied into a content piece. Here we go. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Um, They've gotten better. Like, I will give them credit. I, I can't remember the woman's name. She's so sweet. I don't have any. She would call me even for Kalia a lot because Kalia is so popular. And I've seen the fit a few times, but I always feel bad when she's not on the W. They're like, oh, we want to use Kalia. It's like, she showed up. I'm like, by the way, we love that sunblock. It's the best sunblock ever. But it's like, I don't see the fit, to your point, because she's not at the events. Like, Jordy, you can activate that. It leverages, it builds the sport, that sort of stuff. So. Absolutely. Yeah, How think, cool is that? My wife was just looking at a photo of Kalia longboarding seven or eight months pregnant this morning, just blown away. She's just the coolest. Yeah, she is so cool. It is so, uh, she just hit, and I think it's a lot to do with the pregnancy and, and the way she's handled herself the last few years. And she's really, I love working with her, but um, she just beat out, like if you look at the Nielsen top most marketable athlete, she's 38 in the world right now. I mean, that's wow. got Neymar on and everybody, and she's 38 out of 50. But if you look who she's above, it's incredible. But a lot of that comes from success and persona that she's allowed the world to see. And even now, like, I've seen so many women that her and I both look up to that have seen her because it's gone above beyond surfing, right? Because of the bare essential, the things that we've done outside the sport, she has that following. And we've gotten some reposts by some very influential women to your point by the way they didn't even know they don't know surfing they're just like seeing what she's doing boxing as a pregnant woman and her health and wellness and the way she handles herself and being out there on the thing that she loves most surfing it's just like there's been no hate like i was nervous you know like oh my god are people gonna they don't realize she's that good like she you know blah blah and it's been nothing but love and it's just been so cool to watch and finally even roxy but again i, I mean that's the example look we'll just let it out on here you know all that roxy activation her and joe did that She's blessed to have a husband that does it. Those are, that's all his content. They didn't, you know what I mean? I'm like, how are we not, I should have been calling every day. Like, this is a huge opportunity for the industry. Oh. 
to diversify into women's pregnancy clothes, all this sort of stuff. Cause I've been getting calls and I say no from mainstream companies cause they see it. She's perfect. And it's like, how Roxy, you knew she was pregnant. I told you before. But we told you before anybody, like, how is it not a full campaign? Everything you're seeing is she's giving them those assets. Oh, dude, that is such yeah, a. I know COVID, but there's ways. But, but again, maybe I'm talking about the, the, the industry, the actual yeah. sports industry has been reactive versus proactive. You don't go, you don't complain yeah. the night you before. Spot on. You, you go six months before. Yeah. You go six yeah. months before and you yeah. plan ahead. You know, you had nine months yeah. to plan this. Yeah. 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 I'm probably, again, I'm because you just spot on reactive versus proactive. No, that's it. It's hard. And that's all we need to get as, as a surf industry and the WSL, everybody needs to get, get a bit better at being proactive versus reactive. Yeah. And I think it's probably one of Chad and my flaws too. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's awesome. Thank that's you, man. Good. Of course, of course. Well, best of luck with everybody, with you guys. And I, I hope you stay healthy and uh, sane during this crazy, crazy, crazy time. It's, uh, we well. got another big one coming November 3rd. Let's all pray that... Uh, people stay safe they don't overreact and no matter what happens we we don't have riots and everything else it's been a sad year and as much as there's been a good year and a silver lining for a lot of people it's really a bummer and i'm really nervous and it's sad that we are nervous about an election we should be celebrating i don't like you because of who you vote for we should be celebrating that we're making you know we're making change and we're doing this and all i'm really worried about is negative coming from this no matter what so it's a yeah. little scary so yeah it's heavy man we'll it's see definitely heavy we'll so see. Thanks for putting come put your head in. Sure. Come put your head in the sand and get a landline up in Topanga. <laughs> safe, right? I know I'm in the wrong place. I got to get a or go back to Idaho, even though it's cold there now. All summer on the uh, lake, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You can. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, Thank you so much. I appreciate you both. Yeah. Be well. Good luck with everything. Right on, my dear. Thanks. Yeah. Well, hope you enjoyed that little chat with Astafin. Hopefully you learned a little something. If you're a younger athlete, you'd understand that you need to make a brand for yourself. And and I liked, I already like Steve's ideas about for the WSL, about keeping a region. I know a lot of people would be, you know, probably a little bit put off by that. You could have maybe one or two events in Brazil or France where surfing is so big and you get in the numbers. Yeah. But I like it, man, like shrinking it back down and really focusing on one region and trying to make it the best you possibly can before expanding it and make them come to you and you set you set the rate then and the dollar figures on what it's going to take for WSL to take surfing to South Africa, Brazil, wherever it's going to be, right? The next destination, Fiji. It does make a lot of sense. Yeah, you just got to nail down one area and like, you know, surfing, the mecca of surfing is the USA for some reason, despite the waves being the worst here out of anywhere <laughs> in the world. It's Hawaii. Absolutely, Absolutely but the industry is here. So why not dominate here first and get surfing at you know, what you see kind of US open style numbers before moving on to the next, you know, into other regions and really curating what that event activation looks like. Um, yeah. So it's always interesting to talk to people that are kind of in surf, but not necessarily, you know, hundred percent focused on it because he's focused on every sport. Um, so it's kind of cool to hear that kind of perspective, especially from somebody that really clearly understands business so well. Um, all right. We're well, back next week with some, uh, you know, close to our regular scheduled program. Yeah, we'll be back. Um, you might hear some baby screaming in the background here and there, but other than that, we'll be back to our uh, Tuesdays or Thursdays, depending on how we're feeling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. This podcast is produced by Free Radicals, an agency founded by Chad White and Damian Farrenfort, who operate under the belief that traditional advertising is dead. 
Chad and Damien believe brands should focus on improving the lives of consumers, and they help you do this by uncovering insights and developing ideas. For more info about what they do and the work they've done, check out their website at www.freeradicals.tv. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.